Are you passionate about making a difference through design? Join us at the Human Centered Design Network's Circle, a new private community for change makers just like you. Connect with like-minded professionals, gain exclusive rights to monthly learning opportunities, and lead the change in human-centered design. For more information, see this is hcd.com. Now, let's get back into that episode. Have you ever heard of an organization that after those six months goes back saying, hey, let's see whether the business case actually is proven to be right? No one does that. Hello and welcome to This Is HCD. Our goal is to have conversations that inspire and help move the dial forward for organisations to become more human-centred in their approach to solving complex business and societal problems. Now, if you like what we do at This Is HCD and want to help us, there's a few things you can do to just get started. Number one, you can leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast and it only takes a couple of minutes, but it's one of the most important things you can do to show support. Number two, you can become a patron you can get an ad-free stream of the podcast for as little as €1.66 per month and also get a shout-out as a thanks on the podcast as well. There's other plans where you can get exclusive items too and all the money goes directly to editing, hosting and maintaining our website which is now a repository for human-centered design goodness with over 220 episodes. In this episode, I chat with Marzia Arago, Design Director at Live Work in London and based in the stunning city of Rotterdam. And we chat about service measurement and some of the work that Marzia and our colleagues at LiveWork have been doing to help move the dial forward for organizations in this space. It's a fantastic conversation and totally enjoyed connecting with Marzia. Let's jump straight in. Marzia Oreco, I am delighted to have you here and welcome you to This Is HCD. Um, longtime admirer, first time caller, as you'd say. Um, but, you know, maybe to kick off, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and where you're from. Hello, Jerry. Um, I'm from Sicily. Yeah. The very south of Europe. Yeah. But I live in Rotterdam, the Netherlands. Wonderful. And tell us, you how would you describe what you do? Well, um, I'm, a, I'm incredibly passionate about design. This is what I've been doing for my entire career. Yeah. Um, I've been studying design, practicing design in very different forms. And at the moment, I'm design director at Libre Studio in London. Okay. And so what I do is, uh, you know, fundamentally working with clients, listening to challenges, coming up with, you know, ways to tackle those challenges that is somewhat future-proof and design-based, design-led. Yeah. Before we were chatting, like, because I haven't actually spoken to too many people and live work over the years. I think I might have one or two. Um, but, you know, how you framed live work to me was kind of was kind of a different and a very forward thinking approach to to retaining identity, um, I guess. Would you mind discussing that a little bit more around, you know, the size of the practice and, you know, how, how the practice runs? Because I think that could be really interesting for the listeners. Yeah, sure. Um, so we have three studios at the moment, um, London, Rotterdam and São Paulo. <clears throat> um, we have chosen uh, to keep the studios quite small. The London studio is about 25 people, Rotterdam is about 30, São Paulo is a bit larger. Mm-hmm. Um, and fundamentally, that is a choice that we made a few years ago when we decided not to be acquired by any management consulting firm or large bank or slash tech company slash, you know, you name it. Um, 
because we want to be able to work on the things that interest us. We want to be able to do it in a time frame that we deem reasonable. We don't want to end up in a machine that pressures you to just deliver a 20% growth a year at whatever cost. We are a bunch of nerds in love with design. Sure. We, we just want to make sure that we do projects that you know are meaningful for us where we can see impact and we want to be able to say no when we don't see that, or we don't see meaning, or we don't see the impact that we want to see in the world. And if mm. you become bigger than that size that I mentioned, that it becomes hard to do that because you have to start taking whatever project comes to pay basically salaries, right? Absolutely. So we tend to select our people quite carefully and uh, to keep the team small and cohesive mm. around our purpose, basically. Absolutely. It sounds like it's sounds idyllic in, in many ways because we've obviously, we're all probably aware, many of the listeners are aware of the the agencies that have kind of come and gone and have been absorbed by big organizations and you know after a couple of years they just dissolve and they become part of the bigger the bigger beast or the bigger fish so it's um really rewarding to see um to see that kind of fight happening and that that fight to retain identity is super uh positive um so i know look i'm a big fan of live work and you know, i have i've been following live work mm. for as long as i've been involved in service design but today we're going to be chatting a little bit more around service measurement and service performance, something that we connected about recently, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago. Um, we were back and forth about it. Um, but you and a number of other peers in LiveWork have developed a new framework. Is that right? Yeah, no, I think that's correct. Do you have a name for it? No. You haven't given a measurement name. Framework. <laughs> measurement framework. Measurement framework. Is that what you call it? You could call it a new, new measurement framework. Yeah, we could do that. NMF. <laughs> NMF, which is quite similar to NPS, but uh, NMF. So the new measurement framework, which we, you folks, you've just witnessed um, the naming of the new LibWork <laughs> measurement framework. It's called NMF. Um, highly contentious because it's uh you know nmf new measurement framework but what how does this separate itself and how does this distinguish itself against other um how should we say metrics that are being used in organizations to measure services we have taken an outside in service-led perspective to this um a lot of you know we've in, in our experience in the past I don't know, 10 to 15 years a lot of organizations have came to us saying, hey, um, we have this objective. We want to be number one NPS cross-sector. And my my answer is usually to what end? Uh, mm -hmm. Because that is not in itself an outcome to achieve. And an extreme focus in in on NPS as, you know, and NPS in itself is, is not a bad thing, but, you know, the way it has been using to really drive uh, behavior in, in organizations mm -hmm. and, and, and strategy is not necessarily healthy. So what we have started doing is really engaging our clients in a conversation about outcomes. What are the outcomes that you're really trying to achieve as a mm -hmm. business? You know, what are you here to do? And it's not just a question about business, but also, you know, what are you trying to achieve for your customers and for operations? And mo most recently, we also had the sustainability as a fourth lens. Okay. And so forcing that discussion about outcomes and not metrics is has been proven for us and for our clients a very illuminating one, refreshing one, because you really start using a language and a level of 
conversation that engages mm -hmm. multiple stakeholders from different perspectives and really aligns around the thing that you're there to do. Yeah. Um, and we try to anchor that to a life cycle view. So an end-to-end -end view of what customers are trying to achieve. Okay. So for any established service designers out there, they're probably bobbing along kind of saying, yeah, this this is kind of what we've, we've been talking about for, for a long time, having the, the life cycle view and, and have an outcome at the end of it that's measurable. Do you mind if you take a step back though and, and talk a little bit more around NPS? And because I, I feel like if we're driving along a road here and we've just passed, you know, this big building called NPS that the world has been in love with, or many of the organizations have been in love with, we should stop at least and take a photograph of what that looks like. So um, maybe let's talk about um, why do you believe organizations love NPS and what does it give them, um, you know, as opposed to a score at the end of it in terms of an, an emotional piece? What what is attractive about NPS to organizations? In, originally, NPS, the Net Promoter Score, uh, was invented as a way to measure how well organizations generates relationships that are worthy of loyalty, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a prediction for, for, for loyalty. And, and fundamentally, it, it will tell you how much you can expect to sell more of that things, how many mm -hmm. new customers we'll have, as well as, you know, how, you know, how likely the customer is to stay with you, which in itself is a very useful thing, I think. And yeah. it's a very simple, it's one question, incredibly simple, right? Yeah. Uh, it's not a lengthy, complicated survey. So in its simplicity, it's great. Um, and it's, uh, you know, uh, something that everyone understands and, and, and it's become, you know, uh, a real driver for conversations and, uh, and, uh, and mm. uh, you know, decision making. Yeah. But it's like the, the way I, I describe NPS is like calories calories on food it's um you know you could have an apple that's 50 calories um or you could have a spoon of peanut butter that's also uh, 50 calories but like there's different nutrients and there's different perspectives and there's different um micronutrients as part of each one of those food types and am i right in saying like um and i'm, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here because i know the answer already to this but nps gives an organization a level of reassurance that they can compare, um, you know, historically, okay, things are getting better. Oh, uh oh, things are getting worse. Is that really as simple as, as a view is that organizations are using NPS in terms of like, are we doing better? Are we doing worse? Yeah. Are we doing better? Are we doing worse? Sure. They use it for that, but fundamentally, and you know, for pro projections of revenue, but f fundamentally the, the, the problem with that is that you don't, have any understanding about the actual experience that you're offering to customers. And I if know. things are going bad, if your NPS goes down, you have no clue why. Why? Exactly. <laughs> so I've seen um, some arguments about this online where, you know, service design might be a new thing in your organization um, and product management or whoever is installed or instilled NPS as a metric worth measuring in their organization. And they don't have the power to change it and they kind of have to live with it and pick their battles. And one argument was to add an extra field where it's an open-ended field and you can ask for some additional 
insights. Yeah, some around, people are doing that. Or they do callbacks, right? They do callbacks and stuff like that to, to add a little bit more meat to the score. Um, is there anything else in your framework that you could sort of see, or in your experience, not even your NMF? We'll get to that now in a minute. The NMF, because <laughs> I know people awful. are on the edge of their seats waiting to get it's gonna NMF. become a thing. It's going to stick. I can feel yeah, it's it. It's going to stick forever. I just want a little credit. That's all. Um, but with that, with NPS, okay. Um, if you if you have something you, like you want to add to that conversation about an open-ended field uh, at the end of your uh, NPS survey. Is there anything else that you can advise to people that they might be able to add to make it somewhat of a, a better transition maybe to have those conversations with the business about saying, hey, listen, no. I, I, I don't have an answer to that. Like, I, and, I, and I don't even want to give an answer to that because I think it's All just right. the whole concept is just so fundamentally yeah. broken. <laughs> right. We're not going to get down that road, folks. <laughs> you want to get down that road, folks? You can listen to an episode of myself and Nick Coster from 2018 where we destroyed NPS. Uh, right anyway, <laughs> well, actually, I destroyed NPS. Nick defended NPS in that conversation mm. a couple of years ago. Mm. But let's talk about the NMF, um, which, mm. again, folks, it's sticking. Um, so you said, you know, the full life cycle of measuring the outcome. Maybe talk to me about how you would sell this into an organization about you've got a new um, measurement framework. How is it different? I mean, I usually start the conversation by asking in what way do they make decisions about nice. where to invest money? Like, yeah. how do you decide that onboarding is a more valuable thing to invest into mm-hmm. than something else? Yeah. On the base of what? Yeah. And usually... Well, there is no answer to that because there is no process. And usually the reality is that some senior leader woke up, heard a client complaining about X or someone complaining Mm. about X and then getting all very worried about the thing and started shouting that this thing needs to be fixed Why can't you do cost. It? and all of a sudden <laughs> there are these, you know, millions movie women side to the other yeah, to fix that thing on the base of non-existing business cases or business cases that are written on the base of, you know, pure imagination. Oh, sh- and then and oh, then sh- those business cases are never even reviewed again. So after you yeah. are, have written the business case, got the money to actually start the project, do you have you ever heard of an organization that after those six months goes back saying, hey, let's see whether the business case actually is proven to be right? Yeah. No one does that. No. Right? Uh, the- and it is crazy no when, you, when you say that. It, it is crazy. Yeah. It is yeah. crazy. So my question usually is, how do you make informed decisions? How can you decide that this thing is more valuable than this other one? Mm-hmm. And the second question that I usually ask is, do you know how much revenue this specific service brings and how much it costs to deliver it? Yeah. Usually the answer is no, because organizations are not organized like that. They're organized around products. They can tell you that about a product. A but they cannot tell you that about a service. Tell you that though, Marzia. About a product. About a product, yes. About a but product, about a service, yeah. that is a, a bit more difficult because there Absolutely. is no service owner, is it? There is a product owner. But a product is a service, isn't it? I don't agree with that. You don't agree with it? <laughs> no. We're, why we're do you say that? Write, we're going to have to. No, why do you more. say that? Why do you say well, that? It's 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 a conversation for another episode, I think, because we could easily go down that road. There's there's two schools of thought on it. 
but we're going to we're going to keep that one for a second episode. I think I think there's right. there's enough here to talk about a second episode. So your argument is that a product is a product and a service is a service. A product serves a service, and a service is served by multiple products. Yeah. So a product can be a service in itself. Fine. I mean, in this micro world, but fundamentally, mm. if you have a service view of what you are delivering as an organization, a service will be supported by multiple products. Yeah, so okay, product, we're saying the same thing. We are saying the same thing. Okay, okay. we are saying the same thing. Um, so we don't need a second episode. We don't need a second episode. Okay, so that's usually my starting point. Starting point is how do you make decisions and do you know how much yeah. money your service generates and how much money costs to yeah. deliver it? Absolutely. And so the, usually the answer is no to all of those things. Yeah. So then my follow-up is let me show you something <laughs> that, that something is usually, with NMF and... is usually a service architecture so i'm not even going to measurements yet i'm going okay. into the land of let's draw a map of the services that you offer as an organization because in hmm. 15 years i've been working in this specific field i've never seen an organization that has a list of the services hmm. that they offer to their customers what are these services and how they connect to each other and what are the journeys that support those services? Do you have that in one picture? Yeah. Do you know what are the products that actually are supporting those services in one picture? The one picture usually yeah. doesn't exist. They usually have journeys, right? They have journeys, which I, for me in my head is um, a, a level one. It's a level yeah. one, right? But the picture that I'm talking about is higher than that. It's a level zero. It's like a higher level of abstraction. Yeah. So, so we usually start building that picture <clears throat> of the architecture of the services that an organization delivers. And then yeah. on the base of that, then we start saying, okay, can we just on the base of this start reflecting on what are the outcomes that you're trying to achieve? Yeah. That usually takes quite a long time and quite a lot of alignment because different people yeah. in different pockets will have a very different uh, view of it. So you will start with a list of probably 20. Mm. And my usual um, approach is to really push them to reduce that to a maximum total of nine. So what what are the actual top three from a customer perspective, from a business organization perspective and an, organiza- an operational perspective? The top three outcomes that you're trying to achieve. What is your focus? Where is the energy of the mm. organization? Then for sure there will be others, but you know, can we just focus on the most important things right now? And once we have agreed that and we have aligned around it, then we start looking for signals. <clears throat> what are the signals that can tell you whether you're reaching those outcomes or not? And it doesn't have to be a metric here. It could be like an indicator. What, what is an indicator mm-hmm. that can tell you whether you're you're achieving that outcome or not? And then on the base of that, we start picking specific metrics. And that one of these metrics could be very well yes, yes depending yeah. on the outcome that you're trying to achieve. But then you need to understand what that thing is, link, is linked to. Mm. Right? And that link usually doesn't OKRs. exist. Could it be linked to OKRs, presumably, yeah. Could be linked yeah. to a million other yeah. things. Okay. And so if it's a metric that they are already measuring, great. If it doesn't exist, we start measuring it. Yeah. So you're agnostic to the method of measurement, really in the new measurement framework uh, you you are agnostic to to whatever measurement tool yeah um so it's, it's as long as it's clear what it's as long as it's clear and flexible you. and i mean the 
the most likely operational metrics that you're seeing being measured apart from you know cost um you know reduction tell me what what you're seeing there from an organizational perspective on the organizations that you've tested this with from an operations perspective yeah from an operational perspective what are the things well, that they're... resolution times you know headcount right those are yeah. the exciting ones the exciting ones <laughs> I remember I was only recounting to a friend who was over for lunch on Friday. Um, years and years ago, I went to, uh, when I came home from Australia, actually I had an interview in a consultancy, not going to be named. And I sat down and they're like, okay, so service design, talk to us, Jerry. And I go, okay, how would you make 12,000 people redundant with service design? Oh, fun. So, yeah. And I went, okay, well, before we get into that conversation, I wanted to find service design because I think there might be a misalignment. An understanding here, I said. So, um, and they were like, but actually, there is a way to go about it because, to be honest with you, I mean, okay, find it horror. But the reality is that through the service design work, a lot of the time, we really <clears throat> manage to un un uncover real efficiencies, right? Yeah. Duplication of work, people doing the same projects into different probably is. I mean, even the same role, and people don't even know, right? I know what the problem is, but actually, the question. Um, it, like over the years, I've really processed that question. I can say, where, where did it come from? Um, so I think there's probably, there was probably a little bit of a rationale to it. Hmm. Um, but the effort to get to that point was, was far too greater than me wanting to go down that road, to be honest at the time. But my answer but, would be to what end, right? I mean, I think that is the interesting thing. To what end do you want to do that? What is the thing that you're trying to achieve here? Which is usually yeah, the exactly question that I ask when you know at the beginning of any you know they come with all of this mm. reduction of fifteen percent of personnel or number one MPS to what end? Like, mm. what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, what are yeah. you here to do? <laughs> Can well, what do you want to do? Uh, yeah, what do you want to do? Unfortunately, because that is already a solution, right? Reduction of personnel of employees—it's yeah. already a solution in itself. So you're coming with a solution. Yeah, th their perspective was selling efficiency um, and, you know, reducing headcount was one way to do this and, and leveraging technology. And mm -hmm. it, it goes back to the live work, you know, retaining their identity and taking on the work that they want to do. I was like at a huge, it was a juxtaposition on, on how I was seeing design at that time. I was like, well, that's mm -hmm. not how I see it. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, I, I, I want to see it like this. Um but we, we deviate a little bit more like, you know, so I want to focus more on the, the new management framework or new measurement framework. Um, you can see called like NMF, NMF, um, which I'm, I'm really starting to like folks. I've just bought the domain new measurement framework.com. <laughs> <laughs> Joking. Um, so for an organization that's say low mature, okay. Cause if they're, if they're so rigid and they're using NPS as their, they're kind of the golden egg, you know, it's, it's the, it's the thing that's giving them whatever they want um, because they can interpret the data in whatever way they look at it. They can, mm. and they're maybe not mature enough to be able to push design, push a design kind of approach to solving this. What, what skills do they need or what personnel do they need in your experience to kind of move the conversation forward to question that and, and start introducing the NMF. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I mean, because that's the big thing. There's people listening here and they say, well, my organization would never. Yeah. And that that's that's the conversation in design that I'm I'm really interested about because um, you know, what what you measure is is a is a sort of a a direct indicator of how you value the customer mm-hmm. relationship and the customer yeah. experience. And too often we're we're too stuck in the weeds and we're just fixing buttons and we're not looking at the actual structural thing of the ecosystem. And there that, that's where we need to have the conversations up up there and um really providing the visibility of how everything is hanging together and you know how much it's costing and what's it giving us and why we're doing these things and decision making frameworks and these kind of pieces like you know but what do you say to those people who are in that situation they're in that boat at the moment and they've got you know an old schooled person who's still looking at the NPS score smiling every month yeah, I wouldn't really focus on the NPS and not start from there. I mean, I think the, the very measurement conversation, and this is where I was trying to get to with my story, where do you start? It will come when the moment is right, but I wouldn't I wouldn't start from, from that. I wouldn't start a conversation from NPS. Let's change exactly. NPS because everyone, no one would listen. Why would they? No. Because you're all told them they're stupid. You're you're effectively saying you're all stupid. And, and, and you know, you read McKinsey, you will learn and half of the FTSE 500 probably is even more than that. They're all using yeah. it. So why not? It's a best practice. Yeah, and they can point um, to that and you can't. So I, I, it's not a battle that you can fight. Not, not at that stage, you know. Yeah. And, and it's a question of creating advice. a journey, a journey, a trajectory towards that moment. Another conversation, a separate conversation. Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's, it's literally a trajectory that, that requires, yeah. you know, what are the things that need to be true in order for me to have the conversation? Mm. And uh, also, you know, you can start small. I said, mm. you know, start service architecture, higher level of abstraction, but you can do exactly the same thing at a journey level, yeah. at a way lower level of abstraction and start really proving how in a very smaller scale, how something like this could work out while the organization, you know, because the reality is that a lot of these people like designers, CX practitioners, you know, they try to re-engineer the plane while while it's on flight, you know, Mm. and that's a very hard job to do. And you cannot do it all at once. Yeah. Because you're going to (laughs) crash. So you have to do it in pockets. It sounds in some ways, um, and I mean this in a compliment, uh, because you know, Mark Stickdorn has a has a framework called Journey Map Operations, where it looks at the various levels of Zoom and how they're interconnected, and you've got the sub journeys and stuff like that. Um, and it's a management framework. It sounds like um, yours is a step after that, and like Journey Map Operations is a fantastic way to get that visibility, mm-hmm. and then the NMF could come in after that and um okay again get but i also here. love the movement that you had when you yeah, said well, I'm, that. Trying like it. I'm trying to sell it i'm trying to i'm trying to really get it in there like as if it's you know wedging itself into the conversation so the nmf is um is something that comes after that like because if, if anyone hasn't seen mark stick Dorn's journey map operations um you know do check it out um you know it's a it's a great course but it's also it's a really solid foundational principle way of, of looking at services in terms of at the, the various zoom levels because 
people get nosebleeds when they get at zoom level one or zoom level two and they're like wow okay this is amazing but i think the th- this agnostic um approach could be something that is really interesting to people who've maybe taken that course who have seen mark's journey map operations framework um and it could be a really nice thing to, to introduce so like maybe after this conversation i'll i'll connect both years to continue this conversation um nice yeah but i think um o- overall if people want to read more of or find out more about nmf how might they do it marzia well Livework website we have a Livework, few art- see it's up there it's up on the blog is it the Livework blog um yes there are some a few articles on it uh on okay. the website um or just send me a dm a on linkedin you're on linkedin so your linkedin and will be in the, in the show notes okay and people can connect with you directly and connect with me directly and i'm sure all our listeners are probably kind of nodding along saying I'd like to hear more of Marzia. So maybe we'll have, a, have another chat at another point about other topics because I've thoroughly enjoyed you giving me your energy and your insight and your openness about all things service measurement. So thanks so much for your time today, Marzia. Well, thank you. It was real fun. And there you go, folks. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you enjoyed it and want to listen to more, why not visit thisishcd.com where you can learn more about what we're up to and also explore our courses whilst you're there. Thanks again for listening.